Welcome back into My Guys in the Desert. I'm Danielle Avari at the South Point Sportsbook Studio with Wes Reynolds. We have hour two kicking off right here. We've talked a lot about the NFL conference odds at the top of the last hour. I wanted to look at some of the NBA conference odds as we get closer to that playing game on May 18th. Just Wow, 12 days away. Taking a look at the Eastern Conference, the Nets, the favorite here, minus 112, understandable. The Bucks behind them, plus 350. Sixers, plus 440. Heat, 12 to 1. Those are on DraftKings. I actually did take a future uh, on the Sixers. I think I got it at 5 to 1. That's what I have, actually, for the Eastern Conference. And look, I know they got swept by Milwaukee in the regular season, but you're going to get, I think, a different team in the playoffs because all that dynamic of Joel Embiid resting on Mm back-to-back you're not going to have back-to-backs in the NBA playoffs it's going to be more spread out so you would expect because Philadelphia is always one of those main teams on a night-to-night basis in the NBA where you've got to be real anticipatory about betting them from game to game it's like okay is Embiid going to sit out what team am I getting yeah and then the market I think the bookmakers kind of got wise to the pattern here a little bit even though he's played on a couple back-to-backs over the last couple weeks they get wise to that, and it's like, okay, we know when he's going to sit out. So that's already discounted for in the market when that line opens. And oftentimes, betters maybe don't realize that. So you're going to get a different dynamic with that Sixers team. I think they've been playing very well under Doc. Now, the whole key for the Philadelphia 76ers is if Ben Simmons is finally going to emerge to the player that everybody says he is, but never seems to really produce to that level. So he's going to be the key for them. But I think they've been very good under Doc. I think they're an improved team. Uh, The Nets, look, we haven't seen Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and James Harden together for very many games. So everybody just kind of assumes, oh, well, they've been so good now. Well, when they get them, you know, it's all she wrote in the Eastern Conference. And and it's not because I think uh, the Bucs now, they've taken two from the Nets, albeit without James Harden on the floor. But the Bucs have been that team that have been the number one seed in the East the last couple years, haven't been able to get to the finals. So the pressure is really on them. And if you look at coaches on the hot seat, you would think, oh, it's absurd that Mike Budenholzer is on the hot seat, but you know, you how much time are you going to have left to run this back with Giannis? So it's kind of like he's got to try to get it done this year, and the pressure's all on Milwaukee, I think, and the pressure I think is even more on the Brooklyn Nets, because it's like you got what you wanted, you guys. You got the big three here, so now it's put up or shut up time, so then that leaves the 76ers kind of down there. Get a little bit ignored. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say off the radar, but a little bit under the radar, and that's who I took, and that's where I thought the value was at five to one. I'm seeing three seventy-five at BetMGM. Might be some four to one. You might get a little drift before the playoffs on Philadelphia. I'm not sure about these teams lower. The Knicks are obviously yeah, have been on a hot eight. streak, but I don't know if if they have enough. Uh, if I were to look for a sleeper, it would probably be Boston, just because if they're healthy, I think they're one of the top four teams in the East, even though they're not going to be seated as such. Sixers also four to one at William Hill right now. Uh, after we saw the way that the Nets Bucks series played out, what kind of impression did that leave about the Nets? Uh, uh, you don't really know because you got to yeah. see a ball dominant guy like James Harden, and then you have a ball dominant guy like Kyrie. Mm-hmm. How is this going to work in the playoffs? And the first game on Sunday, even though Kyrie had a good stat line on Tuesday night, 
the Sunday game, Drew Holiday really shut him down in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So if you've got a guy on defense that can take a guy away, obviously that makes the Brooklyn Nets a lot more beatable, and they have a lot more older veteran players now with Blake Griffin right. coming aboard, DeAndre Jordan, of course. Uh, I think his minutes are going to be lower in the playoffs because I think you're going to see Nicholas Claxton, who's been kind of the revelation for this team, get a lot more minutes. And we did talk a lot about the Western Conference at the top of the last hour. Not necessarily these odds, though. The Lakers are plus 175 to win the Western Conference still and possibly could be an eight seed. Clippers plus 240, Jazz plus 325. And no, they're dealing with a ton of injuries, as you mentioned. Would you look at any of these teams outside of the Lakers and not that late, not the Lakers at that price? I would not look at the Lakers at that price. I think no. if I'm going a little bit lower, I don't really want to look at those big odd teams because I think one of the Western Conference champions is coming from that top four. I think it's probably. I think Suns? it's going to be maybe maybe the Suns, but I think they win a series and then maybe they run out of experience. I but they've been going for it and they've been the story of the season out there in the West. But I think the Clippers or the Jazz. I'm not going to bet them at those prices, but I think one of those two are coming out of the West. All right, stick with us, Derek Stevens and Mike Palm coming up right here on My Guys in the Desert. Welcome back into My Guys in the Desert. I'm Danielle Avari here at the VSIN studio inside the South Point Sportsbook. Of course, Wes Reynolds is here alongside. We're keeping an eye on some of these MLB games in action right now. Uh, any update on this? Oh, well, man, Astros-Yankees already wrapped up earlier, didn't it? I'm yeah, sure that... they did. Uh, and uh, Astros get a comeback win here. Three runs in the top of the eighth and two runs in the top of the ninth. So this Yankee bullpen, and I was looking at this game. I did not bet this earlier today, but they've been one of the more reliable bullpens really throughout the season. And we don't really get that many reliable bullpens, at least <laughs> if you've watched Major League Baseball through the first little over a month here. But Chad Green, who's been dominate, dynamite so far this year, has uh, only went uh, a third of an inning, gave up two hits, three earned runs, walked a guy, gave up a home run. So Green and Jonathan Loisega have been the main setup guys for the Yankees to get to Chapman, who has been his usual dominant self from a strikeout standpoint. But they couldn't get the Chapman today because they didn't have the lead, and Astros get the win and avoid the sweep 7-4 to four in the stadium today. All right, well, with that... I think it's time we bring in Derek Stevens and Mike Palm. They're live at the Circa Studio. All right, guys. So we were just talking a little bit about this Yankees-Astros game. I believe it was Jose Altuve's birthday today. What was going on with that? Yeah, you're right. It was Altuve's birthday. Hold on a second, Danielle. I think this is the first time I've been able to be on a show with you, so i got to celebrate that as well. <laughs> we could celebrate moment, that as much in. as Jose Altuve's birthday. <laughs> That's yeah. uh, something so, to yeah, celebrate so as well. So, Altuve, it's his birthday. He's, he, for sure. Um, it, you know, he's getting booed handsomely in, uh, in, uh, in New York. And then, uh, Yankees have three to two top eighth and now two B comes out and hits his three run bomb. So that ruins it for all the under betters who thought they had a cash. And then, uh, you know, then Astros are up five, three, but here's the most amazing thing in the bottom of the eighth inning. I don't know if people saw this, but if you look at a box score, look at how the run scored, you're going to see Gleyber Torres on first base one out. Hicks is at the plate, and if you look at look at a play-by-play box score, it's going to say infield single for Hicks. Torres scores. This was an unbelievable play. This is where the overshift comes into this. 
Torres Torres started running. It was a hot shot to second base, but Torres never stopped because of this shift. He, he wheeled around second. At that point in time, Maldonado starts running toward third. Torres just wheels third. This was like a little league play. Scored on a ground ball to second base. Torres scored from first to make it 5-4, and then all of a sudden you get this sweat going. And, uh, well, they were able to get out of it with a double play, but uh, but pretty crazy play. It's a play you would only see in Little League, and it's only now because of this overshift situation. All right, well, we also have some MLB games that are in action right now. Wes, what's the update right now with the Blue Jays and the A's? 9-4 to four in the top of the seventh. Update is a lot of runs for the Toronto Blue A little bit. The A's. That winning streak, they really haven't played well this season. I'm like, well, they won 13 in a row, so I don't know how you can find fault with that, but it doesn't look like they're getting there today. But, gentlemen, I do want to turn to the NFL. Obviously, the draft is now in the books and is concluded. Have you seen any movement on the NFL futures on the basis of the draft? Seemingly, the only thing I've seen move across the board is some of the shortening of the Denver Broncos odds because I think uh, Mark Stinkschlereff kind of spilled the beans and or he put himself out there and said, okay, this is about as close to a done deal as it gets in Denver. Obviously, the market has moved on that news, but any other movement you've seen amongst these teams after the draft? We don't have our our win totals up yet in divisions yet, uh, Wes. We anticipate now moving perhaps the Bears and the Vikings become shorter prices in the NFC North with the thought that you may have, uh, you know, Rodgers moving somewhere west, perhaps to Denver, uh, most likely. Um, But definitely a situation where he doesn't want to be in Green Bay and maybe even retirement is one of the options that he exercises. State Farm pays well. Uh, well, so are you also waiting to see when the schedules come out? Is that going to affect your guys' win totals as well? That'll have a huge effect on it, Danielle. And we were anticipating uh, anticipating uh, perhaps all these Week 17 games being played in the first week of the year when they, when they announce the schedule next week and see how certain teams obviously are going to have some scheduling spots where they have multiple road games, a lot of travel. Uh, that will factor into when we make these very unique 17-game win totals. Yeah, I've heard some people say, too, that they're going to maybe bet win totals less this year because there's that extra game and might just be kind of a wrench in the mix for some people with handicapping. Yeah, it totally changes the dynamic. And then obviously, uh, because I was having an exchange with uh, Chris Zanuck, Las Vegas Chris, who appears here sometimes on the network, very sharp, better here in town. And he was kind of amazed that people are starting to bet these win totals at certain other places and that they have these up because... You know the opponents, but you don't know when they're going to be. I mean, if some team has their bye week in week four and some week has it in in week 12 and certain teams are going to play more primetime games. So you've got that short Thursday night span where you play a game Sunday and then you have short prep and certain teams are on Sunday night or Monday night a little bit more. So I think that plays a huge difference. So I don't disagree with not having these up right now because there's just so much that you don't know right now. But we know a little bit more in the NHL with just 10 days left in the regular season. Uh, 
not a very great betting card tonight unless you like to do a lot of money line parlays and then it's a paradise for you with everybody over a $2 and even a $3 favorite out there, guys. But what sort of liability outside of the Vegas Golden Knights who everybody is going to bet them everywhere here in town, what do you have on the Stanley Cup futures? Well, we've seen some uh, some action now come in, obviously, on Carolina. They've played very well uh, down the stretch here, and looks like they're going to win that division in the southeast. We saw early some Maple Leaf money uh, backing Toronto in the north there. I told you last week, I think Edmonton has a real good shot to come, out of, to come out of the north. I like them better than Toronto right now. But, of course, obviously the biggest liability is with our hometown team. Do you do you uh, anticipate are the Oilers kind of going to be your St. Louis Blues from a couple of years ago, Mike? Because I know you got on them at the right time when they were one of the worst teams in the league. They ran it all the way to the Cup, saying thanks to uh, Mr. Bennington. Yes, uh, I hope they can be. I got them at thirty to one, and then last year we got the Stars to the final uh, at thirty to one as well, and we're able to cash their bet bet back uh, Tampa in the final. Uh, and made a nice profit off that. Hopefully, they can come out of they can come out of the north. Obviously, get into the final four. Then you've already locked up locked up a profit there. I just think they're playing well right now. Mike Smith is hot. They got that awesome first line, obviously. And uh, you know they're going to be tough to deal with. They had kind of a slow start to the year, but they've sort of gotten their legs underneath them right now and are playing as well as anybody up north. Well, with the playoffs approaching, anything in the works for any kind of maybe a Vegas Golden Knights watch party or even anything going on at Stadium Swim? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we just talked to the Golden Knights today. I think we're going to do uh, a watch party on their uh, on their first road game of uh, of the playoffs. So we'll do it on game three of the first round. Uh, figure out the date. We're definitely going to do that, and then. Uh, yeah, as far as stadium swim goes, uh, yeah, that, that's actually something I wanted to talk about. This is like this is going to be my public service announcement here. What we're seeing here is we're seeing a lot of bookings, and I think September 12th, opening week, opening Sunday of the NFL, September 19th, we're close to we're close to being sold out already between all the poolside boxes, the cabanas, and I wanted to put it out there because rather than having some rando on an OTA book something, I'd much prefer to have a Vsin listener book. So I'm telling everybody, people are people are coming out to Vegas, so they're coming out like crazy. I mean, for us, uh, for us, April was like up 30 percent from April of two years ago. So Vegas is definitely coming back. Vegas is back, and I and I just want to let everybody know that's a Vsin listener to. Uh, uh, book early because things are selling out. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. And speaking of future events, when do we anticipate the Sports Million 3, now the third year here of the contest down at Circus Sports, and obviously the Survivor was part of the mix last year. When do we expect we're going to open up signups downtown? Well, it's probably going to be a few weeks still. You know, we have to wait until uh, until the schedule release next Wednesday, and then we've got to finish up our rule sets, talk about it. Uh, one of these nights, Mike Palm and I are going to go out to uh, the end of uh, end of Long Bar and probably meet up with Jeff Benson and Matt Metcalf. We'll spend about four or five minutes, and we'll figure it out. Well, I have to ask, since we have Mike Palm on here, what is on the Palm Readers Playbook tonight? Well, you know, I'm not like my partner on the nuts of all Shaw that bets every game on the board. I mean, he's, he's and <laughs> one and he had the, he had the Yankees Yankees under, I text them. Happy birthday, Jose Altuve. When he hit the three run Homer, I only played one game today. I played big daddy Ryu first five. I mean, we cashed that ticket already. It's funny. Wes, you said no rain in Oakland. I think it's about seven, eight years ago. 
I had an over nine and a half. They had 17 runs in the seventh inning. It was the one game rained out in five years in Oakland. I got to push. Man. Well, that total came through for West with that, no trouble at all. That's the life of a baseball better, Danielle. Uh, so obviously check your house rules wherever you bet in terms of all these games uh, going forward. But uh, back to the hockey real quick, guys, because I know doing the night's watch parties, and I've been to those actually down at the downtown event center a couple years ago. So a great time. I'm sure this will be just as great, if not bigger. But what do you make of the local team here? They're kind of right there with the Colorado Avalanche. It's seems like we've all said they're going to be on a collision course at some point in the playoffs, but the Minnesota wild, even though VGK got the win last night, they've kind of been the bugaboo for the Vegas golden Knights. Currently Knights are now up four points in the one seed in the West abs in the two spot wild in the three blue still yet to clinch, but looks like they're going to be the four. What do you make of kind of how this division is going to play out? Because everybody just says it's Colorado and Vegas, but this Minnesota team, they don't really have a lot of stars, but I got to tell you as, the Knights fan, they scare me. I think the Knights would be glad they'll be the one and Minnesota will be the three and they don't have to meet them in the first round. Likely they'll wrap it up and play the Blues uh, in the initial matchup and then let the Wild play Colorado. Let me tell you, the Wild give Colorado trouble too, Wes. I think you're right about this team. They rallied from two goals down with nine minutes to go two nights ago or three nights ago and then last night uh, rallied down one nothing. and Knights got lucky, tied it and won it in overtime. I'm concerned about Leonard. I'm concerned about his uh, availability in the playoffs, his, his whole state. He hasn't played that well. You know, he made some comments about COVID that were a little bit alarming. I don't know. Fleury's had an outstanding year, but if he's got to win 16 games on, him, on his own to win the cup, I'm concerned at this point in his life. Mike, I know you like to bet a lot of hockey, and uh, that's part of the Palm Reader's playbook, basically on a daily basis on the nuts right here on VEASAN. But how do you approach a board like this? Uh, and we're going to get a lot more boards like this where we're going to get a lot of these $2, 250 favorites. Is this just something you usually take a pass on? And it's like, okay, all the spots are just about clinched, so let's wait for the playoffs. Well, you know, I, you know I'm all parlayed the Islanders and Hurricane. I like the Hurricane, but the $3... I mean, Dahlia's been terrible for the Blackhawks. Blackhawks have really nothing to play for. Hurricanes are trying to wrap up the division. I gave a lean out today. I, I, like, I like this Devils-Islanders uh, game under. Blackwood is, uh, Blackwood is a, a very solid goaltender, and the Devils have played much better. Obviously, they're off to a terrible start. The back half of the year, they've played better, been more competitive. Give the Bruins fits all the time. I leaned under first period on the Islanders-Devils laid one, uh, to lay 110 under one and a half. That's really the only thing that interests me tonight. I mean, do you want to fade the Sabres? Like you said, it's all big chalk. If you want to, you know, you want to put the Hurricanes and maybe you want to put them with the Penguins uh, facing Hauser and that for uh, the Sabres. All right. Lots of good advice for tonight. Maybe the best advice is to stay away from this card. If you, uh, if you, if you, unless you like a lot of money line parlays, which I really don't like to play that way. So we'll see if maybe there's a dog price to get out of whack, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen on this evening. All right. Well, huge thank you to Derek Stevens and Mike Palm. Great to finally be on an interview together. We're always just like passing ships in the night. You know, I want you to reach out, Danielle, to your partner, humans. I know he's pulling the early shift, but big news here. He's been clamoring for this since the show really started. Tomorrow, I'll take the lead on the nuts. Uh, you know, he's been the one out there in the public. And then behind the scenes, obviously, Mitch, Paul, Lombardi, they've been, they've been asking to make this move, too. Finally, they're going to flip the switch. The whole show will change tomorrow. Look for it to explode. 
All right. We'll be looking forward to There's that. There's a I'm tease. Also, yeah, I'm also looking forward to um, a lot of time spent at Stadium Swim this summer now that the weather's warming up. <laughs> so thanks, guys, for joining us. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you. Thanks, Wes. All right. Yeah, so they agreed. The hockey card tonight. Just not it right now. Yeah, so you really, I think, got to try to – Really find some deep, different ways to bet this. Like Mike likes to talk about those first period unders and just not a lot out there right now because some of these teams and they're jockeying for position. So that's why you see it taxed in the market. Yep. You look at a team like the Boston Bruins now laying at, I think, 272 at a faraway place I'm seeing right now. The Rangers obviously eliminated from the playoffs the other night. And then, mm-hmm. of course, uh, had the fracas. Uh, uh, I said fracas. You're like, well, it was an act of it violence, which, which it yeah. was on Tom Wilson's part. So, and then you had obviously the response last night. They've now made changes in the front office. So it's like, yeah, it's Boston clearly is overpriced, but do you really want to take a shot with the New York Rangers? And I'm preferring not to maybe the uh, under in that devil's Islanders game. Uh, like uh, Mike was talking about that first period, because Islanders, one of the better defensive teams, devil's, a team that really has trouble scoring. So that's what you're seeing getting hit right now is a five and a half under to 115. Now you're seeing some 135s, at least in the market. So probably some one-way traffic on that under. I don't disagree with that move at all. Yeah, and all the drama going on with the Pavel Buchnevich as well. We'll see how that all plays out. I know people in the NHL, especially fans, are not happy about that. But you know how I know that the NHL card tonight is not that exciting? I can't wait to talk about the Wells Fargo Championship. We're going to talk about <laughs> golf next. Wes, who's in the lead for us right now? It is Philip Alfred Mickelson in the lead, all of 51 years old, seven under par, missed a lot of cuts uh, lately, but a very good round in Charlotte this morning. I think I've heard of him. All right, stick with us. More coming up right here on My Guys. to the oddstrader.com studio at the South Point Casino. Make sure you check out oddstrader.com and download the free oddstrader app right now so you can start winning with the up to the second info you need. This is my guys in the desert, Danielle Avari, Wes Reynolds, here to talk all things Wells Fargo Championship going on right now. As you mentioned before the break, Phil Mickelson in the lead. He is, and it's been a while since he's won on the PGA Tour. Of course, now of age to be on PGA Tour champions where he wins frequently when he plays, which he doesn't often do. But he was very discouraged, Phil Mickelson, uh, last week. Missed another cut at the Valspar Championship. Uh, Very disappointed in how he plays. I think we know with Phil Mickelson what we've seen over the last couple years is basically that he can still hit it long. He's still obsessed with length, but he knows he can't hit a fairway hardly anymore. But hit plenty of them today and did very well. Seven under par, currently a two-shot lead. Live odds now I'm seeing 10 to 1, and uh, that seems about right. But when you look at uh, Phil Mickelson, I just did not see this coming because I think he's seen a little bit of his better days. He's missed two of the last three cuts, did make it at the Masters, was uh, 21st, I 
I believe. But here at the Wells Fargo Championship, he has played very well, even though he's never won here. He's got, I believe, I'm looking at it, four top fives over his last, like, seven appearances here at the Wells Fargo, and then another top ten. So he's never quite won here, but he's had good form here, even though he is 50 years of age and really has not been playing good golf. Still, obviously, trying to be out there with these young guys, Hall of Famer, one of the legends of the game, probably one of the top eight to ten players ever to play. But Currently has a two-shot lead over now Keegan Bradley, who was the the disappointment last Sunday. Keegan Bradley's putter really returned to form, in which that's not usually a good thing for Keegan Bradley. He's a much better ball striker, but just couldn't make a putt on Sunday and ended up finishing, I believe, second runner-up to Sam Burns last Sunday in the Valspar Championship in Tampa. But looking at Keegan Bradley today, plus 2.87 strokes gained putting, that's he usually don't see that from Keegan Bradley. I'll just put it that way. And he is currently at five under. Kwon Hoon Lee this morning, five under par, gained six strokes on the greens. So yeah. maybe if you're looking at round-by-round round matchups, when somebody putts that well, putting is the thing that has the most variance in golf. And if somebody does putts that well, usually I'm looking to maybe fade them in a round-by-round round matchup. So mm. maybe see if KH Lee is going to be matched up with somebody, and he could be a possible fade tomorrow because he basically gained all his strokes on the green today. Didn't really hit it that great off the tee or on approach. So right. they are now at five under par. Tommy Fleetwood and Gary Woodland, Luke List also in at four under. Keith Mitchell in at four under. Some of the big names. My nearest guy, Soon J.M., went out in the morning morning three under par solid round so these guys that aren't right there are obviously still in it justin thomas two under i think i'm looking at DraftKings. he is still your odds on favorite at eight to one bryson dechambeau is one of my picks this week made a little bit of a mess on the early back nine but rallied to get it to one under par he is still 12 to one currently at DraftKings, despite the fact that he is six strokes back but just kind of made a mess of it today so you, you know you never want to panic if you're a little bit far behind Behind on these Bryson putted very well but lost two and a half strokes on approach which you very rarely see him do but he did so today here at Quail Hollow so a lot of these big names down the board the Justin Thomases and the Bryson DeChambeau's still very much in it but a couple of the big favorites John Rahm five over par today at Wells Fargo with a 76 just was a absolute mess all over the place and he is currently the number two player in the world behind Dustin Johnson so you would have expected him to play better I think he was like 10 to 1 or 11 to 1 to go off as a favorite and just did not go off at all today five over par so he's kind of the really big name down the board here at quail hollow and uh, probably looking forward to next week in Dallas and the PGA championship in two weeks. Now I know Max Homa did not have a good day. Does that mean your matchup is looking good? It is uh, Max Homa six over par. He is by the way, your two year defending champion here at the Wells Fargo because the Wells Fargo did not take place last year for obvious reasons, but tied for 146, six over par today is Max Homa <sighs> minus 380 strokes gained on the, on the greens minus 209 around the greens. So uh, look, and they were just showing him, uh, I think on our monitor on the golf channel, 
him and John Rahm, absolutely big numbers today. So Max Homa looks like he has been a good fade. I think I had another one against Denny McCarthy uh, where Aaron Wise is looking okay. The Lanto Griffin, Charles Schwartzel, I'm not sure how that finished, but Schwartzel has continued his very solid play from two weeks ago in New Orleans to last week in Tampa, and it looks like he is well ahead of Lanto Griffin at this standpoint. I'm surprised to see Phil up there, especially because this is a longer course. We were talking about having really strong golfers were going to do well, so maybe Bryson DeChambeau does a little bit better round two, round three. He's one under right now. Victor Hovland also looking good for you. Uh, we have a lot more to talk about. Stick with us right here on My Guys in the Desert. back in the NHL and NBA playoff races are in high gear and our experts are covering every angle to find betting edges as the regular seasons wind down. VEASAN hockey expert Annie McNeil is tracking all of the NHL action and senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel has all the hoops insights every night. They're looking at the teams who are tanking and which squads are playing to save their season so they can find you the best bets on the board. Our experts and the entire VEASAN team give you all the tools to make the most of every bet, including our 24-7 video coverage, odds and analysis for every game on vcin.com, our daily members-only best bet emails, and in-depth coverage of every major event in Point Spread Weekly. Now is the time to cash in on the push to the playoffs. Sign up for your 10-day free trial at vcin.com slash subscribe. Back here on My Guys in the Desert, Danielle Alvari, Wes Reynolds. What's going on in the MLB right now? We have Blue Jays and A's still going on. Blue Jays up by nine last I checked. Two games in progress now. Top of the ninth here at the OCO. 10-4 to four Blue Jays. So just about wrapping up in Oakland. Also bottom of the eighth here. Three to one Braves. But Nats with two on on the corners here. Ten runs. Wow. Just one out. So Braves leading three to one. A pretty good effort today, I would say, from uh, Drew Smiley. Who they're kind of trying to figure out that back half of the rotation with Atlanta. But did go six strong. Only gave up one on run and four hits. So... Good effort, at least for Smiley. He's heading toward getting the decision if the bullpen can uh, let it hold up. And Jan Gomes just drove in a run here. Er, uh, Santana on the mound for the Atlanta Braves. Three to two now, runners at first and second, just one out in Nationals Park. Also, a couple games that did go final during the program. Cleveland, 4 nothing shutout win over the Kansas City Royals. T. McKenzie, not our old buddy Triv McKenzie. Shout out to Triv. Tristan McKenzie was the winning pitcher for the Cleveland Indians, five innings strong, only two hits given up and no runs. So four nothing Indians over the Kansas City Royals. Also the Mets go ahead and get a win. Taiwan Walker goes seven innings, eight strikeouts, four one winners over the St. Louis Cardinals. All right, well, we'll keep you updated on all of that action going on right now. But just switching gears a little bit here, let's talk about some college basketball news. Weird year for the Blue Bloods this year, for sure. Some news for Kentucky, though. They hired two of the top Illinois assistants this morning. Orlando Antigua and Ron Coleman both played big roles in Kofi Coburn and Ayo Dezunmo's recruitment at Illinois. After a 9-16 and season for Kentucky last year, 
What do their futures kind of look like? And are you kind of expecting them to bounce back next year? Well, I'll give a little backstory a little bit on these assistant hires. Orlando Antigua has been with Cal before, had stops with them at Memphis, and then, of course, at Kentucky. So it wasn't a surprise to see Antigua uh, come back from Illinois, but they get a two-for-one special with Ron Chin Coleman, who is a very good recruiter, very dialed in. So they are adding him to Jai Lucas, who is uh, returning from the previous staff uh, for Kentucky. Jai Lucas, former player at University of Texas, uh, also was at Florida. Very dialed in in the Houston area where he played high school basketball. So Jai Lucas is one of the premier recruiters in Texas. So John Calipari, look, what he's going to do here, he wants to get players. He wants to get the five stars back again. He's been having to deal with the transfer portal like everybody else, which is kind of, I guess, equalize it a little bit because there's really only a few schools that get those five-star guys every year. Kentucky, Duke. Kansas can get in there a little bit, so it's the usual blue bloods, but Kentucky's had a lot of roster turnover. They, of course, have a couple guys go into the draft. They also dealt with tragedy. Terrence Clark, who was mm-hmm. entering in the draft, unfortunately killed in an automobile accident in Los right. Angeles a few weeks ago. B.J. Boston is in the draft. Also, they have one other guy, that being Isaiah Jackson, who has not declared or signed with an agent yet, but has put his name in there, but I've seen him in mock drafts kind of like late first round so I would expect that he's going to go. Devin Askew transferred to Texas, their point guard. Also, Cameron Fletcher transferring to Florida State. But they do bring in some transfers. Oscar Tshibwe from West Virginia also added a couple shooters, and that was kind of what you watched with Kentucky last year. They did not have any good three-point shooters last season. So here they go with Kellen Grady to transfer from Davidson, and also C.J. Frederick from Iowa, who is uh, from nearby Covington Catholic in Kentucky. So he gets to go home and play his graduate year. But the real concern from a roster standpoint for Kentucky is who is going to be that point guard because they don't have a point guard right now on the roster. And this is a team that struggled turning the ball over last year. So right now it appears they're all in on Ty Ty Washington who is out of uh, Arizona. I think, uh, I don't know if it's Chandler, but it's in Arizona. So Kentucky, it's a wildcat versus wildcat battle. It's Kentucky versus Arizona, but Chin Coleman, the new assistant that was hired, Ron Coleman, has a good relationship with Ty Ty Washington. So it's expected by all the recruiting gurus right now. And it's a mess in Arizona right now. Yeah, and Washington's probably going to make his way to Kentucky, plus the fact Arizona still has James Akinjo on the roster, the Georgetown transfer, who is really like a ball-dominant guard. So obviously, if you're a point guard and a five-star guy that wants to play right away, you don't want to deal with another ball-dominant guard because you want to be the ball-dominant guard. So I would expect Washington is going to Kentucky. The Wildcats probably are like, because of the talent, they're probably like a top 20 team. I don't know if really necessarily they're a national title contender right now. So Cal is not just thinking about this year. He's thinking about a couple years down the line, getting Antigua back and getting Coleman on this staff because it's like, we need better players. That's what they're always going to do. Calipari always says, I will take talent over experience every time. Most coaches are kind of like, get old, stay old, but he is trying to get these uh, these five-star guys and, and uh, got one coming in this year, but down by their usual standards. But 
some real roster influx uh, down at the University of Kentucky. And plus the fact that they're looking at the fact that all of a sudden you got Nate Oates has it rolling down in Alabama. You have Eric Musselman's got it rolling at Arkansas. So the SEC used to kind of be the Wildcat Invitational for Kentucky. Sure. Not so much anymore. They've got a lot of other competitive teams. So he's having a fight down there in SEC country. Well, a lot of confidence from the books for Kentucky because to make the final four right now in DraftKings, Kentucky three to one, Alabama also three to one. Uh, the shortest shot, of course, Gonzaga at plus one fifty, and to win the championship, Alabama sitting at fourteen to one, and I believe Kentucky twenty to one. So yeah, I guess that's probably where they should be, and maybe to make the fi- maybe yeah. to make the final four, it's a little bit short. I've only actually yeah. bet because of this portal situation, and obviously, right. try- roster management now is the key to being a college basketball coach. I've only bet one so far, and that was Purdue at twenty-five to one. Purdue is right up there with Michigan and Ohio State. They're basically one, two, three in any order here in the Big Ten. I think to start the season in terms of the projections, but Purdue basically brings everybody back. I expect Travion Williams. Williams is going to pull his name out of the draft Mm. and come back. So Purdue really doesn't lose very much. They add some talent. They disappointed this year against North Texas. I thought maybe they could make a run, but I said in uh, preface to that, next year is when you're going to want to watch Matt Painter and his guys. So Purdue is the only one I have in hand right now at 25 to 1. Well, that transfer portal certainly did cause a lot of chaos in this offseason, but we'll see how everything shapes up. Uh, Coming up, we have a lot to talk about with the NBA. Who's going to make playoffs and who is going to miss them? That's coming up next right here on My Guys in the Desert. Welcome back in with exclusive bets, daily specials, odds boosts, and the largest offer of live in-play options. BetRivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting. And to make your experience even more rewarding, BetRivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time playthrough. BetRivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem in Illinois. Illinois, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. In Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Back here on My Guys in the Desert, Danielle Avari, Wes Reynolds. Lots of NBA action going on tonight, some with playoff implications. Let's start with the Nets at the Mavs. Now, the Nets have slid to second place in the Eastern Conference after those losses to the Bucks. Uh, the five seed Mavs are floating around the playing territory with the same record as the Lakers, who sit in the sixth spot right now, and they're one game in front of the seven seed Trailblazers. So, kind of in that mix still. 
Who do you like in this matchup tonight? A lot on the line. Yeah, no Porzingis. It doesn't look like for Dallas right now uh, that he is not going to be able to play tonight for the Mavs. And look, the Nets, uh, two straight losses in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And now going on the road, it seems like uh, Dallas has taken a little bit of a trickle of money. I'm seeing it down to two and a half. The opener was basically three. So just kind of looking at this game, I just think that the Nets are, are above the Mavs offensively. If you look at the offensive numbers, first an effective field goal percentage, Mavericks are seventh, so they're not bad. But Nets rank second in three-point percentage, shooting about 40% as a team or just a trickle under that. Mavericks are 17th. And without Porzingis, they just have a, they, they just have a lack of size. Right. So you wouldn't expect them to dominate Brooklyn in the paint where they're a little bit weaker. Uh, you, you really saw, I think, the difference in the Milwaukee game on Tuesday night. Milwaukee, 44 points in the paint and 15 offensive rebounds and absolutely destroyed the Nets on the glass, 55 to 39. So if we anticipate that this game is going to be a shootout and we're looking at this total being bet up a little bit from 234 and a half, or 234 and a half now, 235, 235 and a half. So total indicates that this is going to be a high scoring game and probably a shootout. I'm going to take the Nets and win in a shootout mm. more often than not over the Dallas Mavericks. I think this is a little bit of a step up in class. Dallas has won some games recently but this isn't beating the Pistons or the Warriors or the Heat or the Lakers without hey, the LeBron. Warriors are still in the mix the Warriors are still in the mix but they're a middle tack team the Nets are a legit title contender so yeah, lean here yeah. to the Brooklyn Nets uh, and probably on the money line uh, if you don't want to go ahead and lay the points on the road usually of small favorites I'll go ahead and play money line I'm seeing dollar forty dollar forty five that'd playable. be the way I'd go here yes yeah very playable uh, what about the Wizards and the Raptors the Wizards we've been kind of dubbing them on primetime action the team you don't want to see in the play-in they've been getting hot right now they face the Raptors who are three games behind them sitting in 11th place but staying in the race with five wins in their last 10 despite really a lot of injuries for this Raptors team the Wizards did get inside the number for me last night personally real deal <laughs> Beal with the big three down the stretch as they only lose by one to Milwaukee by the way final score in Oakland 10 to 4 Blue Jays get the win there at the Oco but back to Wizards Raptors Wizards are certainly taking all of the money tonight I think they opened as a small underdog Just and a now, one and a half point favorite here? yeah now you're seeing some twos start to appear in the market so I'm checking uh, the injuries here for the Raptors no Aaron Baines, no Kyle Lowry, no OG Ananobi. Mm. Gary Trent Jr. should be in the lineup as well. You know, do, do the Raptors have enough, I guess, for the last stand here? This is obviously a game that they really need, like, blood here at this standpoint. Defensively, they've been very solid lately, allowing just 111 points for 100 possessions over the past 10 games. So they are at least getting Gary Trent Jr. back, uh, getting some reinforcements there in the starting lineup. I may fade the move here. I have not decided if I'm going to do that, but, and Washington's been very good on back-to-backs in the second night of those back-to-backs. However, right. they put a lot in that Milwaukee game last night. Yeah. I mean, they were right in there and that was a competitive game. And all of a sudden Milwaukee made a run. Washington would come back. Milwaukee'd make a run. Washington would come back and really made the Bucks sweat a little bit. Bucks had to escape last night. So you kind of wonder maybe how much the Wizards left on the floor. And that's mm -hmm. why I was leaning the Raptors. So this line move is a little bit curious to see them lay it on, on the floor. And I think basically because they're the hotter team and Toronto has been a disappointment and had a lot of injuries this year. So 
lean a little bit to the Toronto Raptors here. I have not decided, but that'd be the way I'd go maybe to fade this steam from overnight. The last stand. I like that for this game. It's a great X-Men movie, too. Maybe the Raptors can mutate into a playing team here. What about the Hawks at the Pacers? The Hawks sit fifth in the East and are just a half a game out of fourth. I know you're excited about this one. Yeah, this is a lot of storylines surrounding this game. Unfortunately, this isn't the TNT game tonight because TNT slogan is we know drama. (laughs) And there's a lot of drama, especially on the Indiana Pacers side. By the way, we're seeing six and a half. We're about to see some sevens. I think we're at seven, actually, right here at the South Point Hotel and Casino at the tip of the strip. Malcolm Brogdon not going to go tonight. Hamstring injury for the Indiana Pacers. Lamb and Sumner have been out for Indiana, so they're not going to go. If you watched the Pacers last night against the Sacramento Kings, an absolute no-show for a Kings team that looked like they had been DOA, even though they're still alive to try to get in that playing scenario. Indiana still at the number nine seed at 30 and 35, but it was a bad effort. And just to kind of recap the scenario last night, Goga Batadze let a guy drive right down the lane didn't try to challenge his son and get shot and got dunked on and then Greg Foster the uh, Pacers assistant former NBA player played 13 years in the league so kind of a journeyman center but a very good developer and a coach of big guys so he works with Goga every day in practice well they got into it yeah they did and Goga after he let the uh, defender blow by hit a three on the other end and he's running back down the floor and he said the sit the f down to Greg Foster and Greg Foster was very hot about that and I remember Greg Foster is a player and he got in Shaquille O'Neal's face when the (laughs) Lakers and the Jazz played in the late 90s early 2000s so if he wasn't going to get punked out by Shaquille O'Neal he's not going to get punked out by Goga Bataze so they got into it they were separated uh, I guess if you want to say cooler heads prevailed Nate Bjorkren's been really under the gun Uh, story in Bleacher Report today about how he's kind of lost this team and how this first year has gone for him as Pacers head coach and really getting sideways with the players. Players are now sideways with him. It's seemingly a mess. That's why you've seen this go up from five, five and a half to now six and a half, seven, plus the adjustment for the Brogdon injury. And oh, by the way, to add a little more spice to the story for the Pacers, even though they're at home tonight and they had meetings apparently trying to iron out all the controversy till 1 a.m. back in Indianapolis, who comes in tonight? The guy that the Pacers fired last season, that being Nate McMillan, the interim coach now of the Atlanta Hawks. So, you know, you got to think Nate, and they've already played this year, and Atlanta got the better of them. You know, Nate wants to get better of the team and the organization, Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan, the president and GM who fired him. And the players basically said, oh, we got tired of Nate McMillan, like the players are calling the shots. Look, I used to work for the Indiana Pacers. I've been a fan of them my whole life. They don't have players that deserve to call the shots about a coach being hired or fired. They haven't earned that right. This this, this is not Magic Johnson getting Paul Westhead fired. These are the Pacers who have never won anything with this group. So they did it with Nate McMillan. They may be doing it again with Nate Bjorkren. So there's just a lot of controversy around this team. I thought about maybe jumping in at seven, but this might be, uh, you know, discretion being the better part of valor and leaving this one alone. 
forget General Hospital. The NBA is the best soap opera. Absolutely. That's just, it's my, uh, I mean, have you seen NBA Twitter? They are they are young and restless in Indianapolis, <laughs> Indiana right now. Sometimes and, they're uh, young and restless, actually. Yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. Very, very good on the uh, soap opera reference. Uh, I appreciate that, even if Matt Humans would. All my NBA children, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Pacers did suspend Greg Foster for one game, and they're finding Goga as well. for that. They shouldn't have suspended Greg Foster for yeah. what? Yelling at a player Slap and trying to hold him accountable? And and it was the Pacers, I believe, that did this. But that that that's just what kind of ticks me off. I'm going to be get off, get off my lawn guy here. I like the <laughs> NBA. A lot of guys of my age and my ilk are down on the NBA. I actually like the product. I enjoy the athleticism. I enjoy watching. I enjoy betting. But this is what ticks me off about the NBA is that it's almost a, too much of a player-driven league now. Like the NFL, the players don't have enough power. Yeah. And in the NBA, it seems like they have all the power. And it's like, why is a coach getting suspended for holding a player accountable? But I digress. No, I'm with you. I agree. Yeah, the players definitely have a lot more power in the NBA, and it shows. Let's try to squeeze in maybe one more game here. Mm -hmm. Bulls at Hornets. That one's at 4 p.m. Pacific time, so 7 Eastern. Bulls in the midst of a four-game losing streak. They've been without their all-star, Zach Levine, for a few weeks now due to NBA's health and safety protocols. He returns tonight. Uh, his absence started 11 games ago. Chicago was 10th in the East at that time, the final spot in the play-in. But now Bulls are sitting in 12th. Four games separate them and the 10th place Wizards, who, again, have been surging lately. And also Nikola Vucevic going to be probable. So they do get Levine and not a moment too soon. They're kind of hanging on a little bit. Bulls have taken the money, though. This was two and a half, but on the Levine return, now three and a half. So we shall see. I'm just looking at the lineups here to see for Charlotte, who have had their own fair share of injuries. Right. By the way, they get a little bit of a return, too. LaMelo Ball in the lineup for the Charlotte Hornets. So The leader in the clubhouse for rookie? of the year? Yeah, I would say so. Even though he's missed quite a few games, I, I think he probably is from this standpoint. So the way I may be looking to play this is potentially like an in-game over because the Hornets are a very faster-paced team with LaMelo Ball in the I've lineup. lost some unders betting on their games. Yeah, and and you've seen, uh, you know, sometimes, some nights they'll struggle on offense a little bit. Four and a half, probably a little bit too rich in Levine's first start to come back for the Bulls, so I'm going to leave that one alone. It'd be Charlotte or nothing, but would lean to maybe like an in-game over if we get a slow start here in Charlotte tonight. All right, big return for Zach Levine tonight. We'll also return tomorrow, Friday, finish out the week with my guys in the desert. It's been fun hosting the show with Wes. Still no matter JVT tomorrow. They'll be back next week. But join us right back here, same time, same place for my guys in the desert.